Welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast with your hosts, Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. They are two entrepreneurs who speak to other entrepreneurs under the age of 40, so you can learn from their successes and failures along their journeys of building businesses. 40 Under 40 podcast hopes to educate, motivate, and inspire people to pursue their dreams of starting a business, regardless of age. And now, here are your hosts, Caitlin and AJ. Welcome back to the 40 Under 40 podcast. So great to have y'all back. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We do. Thanks for being here. So Caitlin, what's up with you? Do you, uh, you know... One thing that is a a hot topic amongst the entrepreneurial world is what CRM. Oh my God. Don't even get me started on CRMs. What do you use? Absolutely nothing because I'm secretly scared of them and I really hate them because I just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. And I, I only have used Excel spreadsheets and yeah, they suck and yeah, they don't work, but the process of implementing a CRM just really terrifies me. Yeah. And there are so many options as like decision paralysis, you know, with my last business, I, we were getting so many leads in like 80 to 90 leads a month, which is amazing. We were doing online advertising. And when I was first doing it, I wasn't, I didn't have a CRM in place and it was a night. Oh my God. 80 to 90 a month. Like I would be so We were doing it up from a spreadsheet and we quickly (gasps) switched and we had a CRM and it was amazing. It changed everything, but yeah, you need a CRM. I I need to get there, man. It's uh, it's a, it's a, well, speaking of CRMs, <laughs> we have a um, CRM expert on, I on mean, the podcast. Jeroen Courthout is the co-founder and CEO of Salesflare, an intelligent CRM built for small businesses selling B2B, mostly popular with agencies, fast growing startup companies. I feel like this would be perfect for me. Salesflare itself was founded when he and his co-founder Leven, I might've said that wrong wanted to follow up the leads for their software company in an easier way. They didn't like to keep track of their leads manually. Hey, that's me. And built Salesflare, which pulls customer data together automatically and then actively helps you follow up. We're going to hear all about it. We're so excited to have him on. Maybe Can't he'll wait. convince me to get Salesflare. <laughs> Welcome, you're in. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for inviting excited. me. So, Tell us exactly what you do about your business, how you got started. Give us a little lowdown here. A sales flare is a business I'm working on right now. I'm a co-founder and CEO there. It's a software business. Um, and the software is to help people who do sales to follow up their leads in a much better way, uh, to really make sure that nothing falls through the cracks, that they follow up the right moments, knowing all the necessary information, all those kind of things. Uh, so that it's called a CRM software. Um, uh, actually, CRM systems that are focused on, on doing this are, are usually called sales CRMs. Ours is for small and medium-sized businesses, uh, specifically those businesses who sell B2B. Uh, it's mostly agencies and tech companies using our software. Now, you, you might be asking yourself, why another CRM? Like, don't we already have... A, I think on g2.com, there's now 650 plus CRMs wow. or something. Yeah. We actually started uh, seven years ago because we didn't find any CRM that worked for us in the sense that 
all of the CRMs seem to come with this expectation that we were going to fill them out manually uh, in, a, in, a, in a very uh, diligent, disciplined yes, way. Yes, that's what I hate about them. <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody hates about them. But then when we started interviewing people, they were all like, well, you know, you just have to do it. Uh, salespeople are lazy. They just need to get themselves over that. And I, I would be probing for uh, like, can't we make the software better? And people are like, no, software is, software is good. It's the salespeople, they're lazy. <laughs> um, wow. So there hasn't been any real progress on, on that uh, front uh, for, for many, many years. And, and still today, uh, I find it baffling that we're one of the only companies that really focuses on, on that data input. Like most companies you look at will advertise it on their site, but they don't really take it seriously. Um, they, they're essentially manual systems that then pull in some information to make it easier, but they don't rethink their system in such a way that, um, they, they automate the data input. We, uh, started with that in mind because we were really, really frustrated ourselves, um, with trying to make sales follow-up work. We just couldn't because we we're always uh, too lazy, I guess, uh, to fill it out. Now, no, we, we actually believe that. The expectations are way too high. Even if we're lazy people, uh, maybe you're, you're a bit less lazy than us. Still hard. Uh, it to, is. To working. Yeah, I feel like every time I've tried to implement a CRM for my business, I just give up because I'm like so frustrated that it's taking so long, and I'm like, I don't even. So, can you explain just really quickly what a CRM is for people who don't know? Yeah. So CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. Uh, so it's software to manage your customer relationships. In practice, it depends a bit on, on what sort of thing you do, what that means. Because if you have a web shop, you might have a CRM, but it's for, I mean, it's used for totally different purposes than when you're in real estate or in your B2B sales. The, the goal is completely different. If you're in B2B sales, uh, which is what we focus on, uh, then it's really about um, like managing the customer conversations you're having because you're you're usually really selling. Like you have someone, you have meetings with mm -hmm. them, you follow them up to, to guide them from the point A where they have an issue that you can help with to uh, point B um, where uh, they implement uh, your solution, they get your product or whatever. Uh, there's a whole process in between that, which we call the buying process or the sales process, depending on which uh, side you look at. Um, right. And that needs to be organized because it's, it's, if, if you would only have one lead or one customer, uh, it would be really easy. You could just do it with your uh, own brains. Uh, you're like, oh, I need to call Caitlin again. Uh, yeah. But if you have tens, uh, some people even hundreds of, of leads, then you just can't. Um, it's already hard enough to have, a, 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 let's say, a, a relationship with your partner where they feel like they're really precious to you and they're yeah. the only one. <laughs> That's then, a good as comparison. A, as a salesperson, imagine scaling that. You cannot do that without a proper organization. No. So, so when exactly, in your opinion, should an entrepreneur invest in a CRM? Like at what point, what, what, what's the lead flow coming in where it's like, okay, I need a CRM? I think if, if you cannot manage it anymore with your brains, uh, that's that's when it starts. Uh, it's it's at a <laughs> relatively low number, somewhere between ten and twenty. 
I think that's yeah, it's hard it's to just... remember 10 to 20 relationships. Yeah. Like that's, I feel like that's a solid <laughs> number to start at. Yeah, we actually started from the very beginning. That was not because we couldn't manage the small amounts, but that was more like we wanted to start uh, on time uh, for posterity to keep building on top of it. That uh, makes sense. To track everything from the beginning, but if if you are now in a in a in a position where you you haven't done it, maybe you have a sheet or so. A sheet is already something you can start from because in most cases you can you can take that, fill it a bit further, um, put the data in the right way, and import it. But yeah, if that's what I had, like a Google Excel like a spreadsheet. Sheet. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was using. Yeah. A lot of people start like that because it's, it's very simple. You need some sort of organization and a sheet is easy nowadays. You can even share it with your colleagues if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, it just starts failing at some point because you, you, you can't, uh, well, first of all, it's manual, of course. Um, second, it, you, you cannot make reminders in it or so, but that's minor stuff. Yeah. The, the main issue is that it's really, really hard to track any uh, sort of timeline of communication in a sheet. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can say, I just emailed and then then you can maybe have an extra field, which is like last in contact date or something. Yeah, uh, I had that and I never kept up with it. It was just like, I would email yeah. them back and I'd be like, wait, I feel like I emailed them earlier than that. And Anyway, so real quick, backing up. So what were you doing before this that made you like realize that you needed to do this? So at the moment that we started, we, we had a software company um, and we had a lot of leads for that. It was BI software. So business intelligence is basically reporting on, on data. Um, but I actually, bef- before that, I was a, a, a marketing sales CRM consultant uh, for for the farm industry, life sciences in general. Okay. Um, mostly working with, with Salesforce. We would deploy that in projects, make sure that everybody would use it, make sure there was a system in there. Um, the, the, the software itself was a, was a huge uh, step for these companies because they came from something really old in most cases that was called Siebel from Oracle. Uh, so they were they were really happy to have this new interface, uh, but still, what we would see is that the the actual usage would always remain really, really, really low. Uh, and even internally at the company that I worked at, we had Salesforce. Well, we were we were using it everywhere, right? So we had to use it ourselves as well. Um, and we would also only put the bare minimum in there, um, like. We would put in the deals we were working on and obviously then we also had to create a company and then we would uh, maybe also add some contacts so we could put them in the newsletter but that was sort of it uh, if you would ask anyone like who's in contact with whom about what or so it was very hard to answer which then also inevitably uh, led to problems because we were working uh, with the same uh, uh, pharma company maybe in different countries mm-hmm. and Sometimes even we would talk uh, about a specific project in multiple countries to multiple people, and it was just not visible, uh, which is one right. of one of the many reasons why a CRM uh, is useful if if it if it actually works. So yeah. so then what? You quit your job? You raise money? Did you build it out first? Like walk us through like yeah. actually going through the process of starting your company. Your entrepreneurial journey. 
Yeah, we, we, we started in a relatively naive uh, way, I would say. Um, we thought, okay, this is going to be quite some work. Uh, we need to be able to spend some time on this. Uh, we need money. Um, at the time, their Kima Ventures, I think the fund still exists, but the thing I'm going to talk about now doesn't exist anymore. It was called Kima 15, and their offering was in, in 15 days. Uh, you'll get a response from us, positive or negative, uh, to invest 150k in your business for 15% of the company. Nice. Um, wow. So we thought we're going for that. Um, we read a book called Getting Real by the guys at 37 Signals. Uh, we, we had to follow that. That was all uh, uh, you know, laid out for us. Uh, we made a presentation, which is a, a typical investor deck. Uh, and my co-founder worked on a prototype. We sent that to them. And uh, their main response was that uh, we were a bit too early stage, uh, which was true because we just started a week or two before that. So we, right, we just had a prototype. <laughs> so, not, yeah. <laughs> so we didn't get that money, um, but we were still really passionate about it. And actually we used what we created to apply to uh, some incubators and accelerators. Um, we got first into an incubator um, where we then spent our time. Um, then we got into an accelerator, which also offered us some money. Um, that money was as in return, we would basically, they would have an option to put in more money. Oh, then, not nice. bad. Yeah, it was 25K. And actually we were so naive at that point that we thought we can hire someone now at 25K. <laughs> um, Good luck. So, Sounds like a lot of money until you have to hire someone. <laughs> Yeah, and then it goes really quickly. Um, so was we that the really... was that the founder institute? I saw that on your LinkedIn. No, that was uh, no the founder institute. I, Different thing. That's actually where I met my co-founder way before that. Oh, um, cool. Um, no, it was the uh, well back then it was called well now it's called Dylan at Kickstart. So it's uh it's a uh, was a program uh, organized by a big telco. Uh, to help startups and there were 10 startups mm. selected and we were one of them um, and that was pretty helpful uh, you know in the in a way that sometimes they took us uh, a few steps back so that we would more systematically attack certain things instead of uh, oh that's smart just just just, just charging ahead um, but the person we hired uh, was uh, was our first developer uh, next to my co-founder then. Uh, they started developing. I was doing customer interviews. Um, we raised some extra money from different places, like uh, was 50K from another accelerator and 50K from uh, subsidies. And then the nice. bank. We were lucky because we were in an incubator of a bank and they want to tighten the relationships between the incubator and the bank. Uh, so we were one of the first startups to talk to the bank and we got 100k in a, as a loan, which was wow. almost unthinkable for, for, a, yeah. for a very early stage startup like us. That's awesome. Was after we existed for, well, officially only existed actually for six months or so. Um, and from there, we were able to start funding things Um start getting customers slowly because our, our first versions were, were pretty awful. Um, there was a lot of work there. Like we, we had a, uh, an idea about how to make it work technically, 
but then transforming that into a product that is also very easy to use uh, was a whole other challenge. Uh, right. To that. So you mentioned you had to hire a developer. Are you a software engineer yourself? Do you have any technical background or? Um, I'm, a, I'm actually a, a biomedical engineer um, and I had technical courses on things like databases and some other programming stuff. Um, but I, I would not be able to uh, program Salesflare. Uh, I, just, I just understand what they're doing. That's Got all. it. Uh, nice. I spent my whole, whole career in marketing and in sales, actually. I've Very never cool. worked as a biomedical engineer. Entrepreneurs, a lot of times school is like, people have opinions on whether it's necessary or not. So what is your take on that, I guess? I think it's, it helps to shape your thinking uh, generally, whether it's directly applicable, probably no. I did do another year of, I, I didn't just switch from biomedical engineering into marketing, like boom. Um, I did a year of business school in between that. And that is actually helpful um, when um, leaning a, a, a company uh, and building one out and all. The, the, the issue with business school is a bit that they, they teach some entrepreneurship, uh, but they really have no idea uh, how entrepreneurship really works. It's really theoretical. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What helped afterwards was, uh, well, reading books, uh, being part of accelerators, and, and actually even more was being part of an incubator in the sense that we were in between a lot of people going through the same thing um, and we could, we could, we could help each other. And that really helped us to, to understand how it all works. Yeah. I feel like the, the learning by doing makes the most sense for entrepreneurs. I studied it in college as well. And I feel like it was, you don't learn until you actually have like the business and you're actually trying to make it work. Cause there's only so much textbook reading you can do on the topic. Um, so how do you feel like just kind of jumping to your location how do you feel like that's impacted you? Is your, is your business international? Do you feel like being in Belgium has been good for the business? Not so good for the business? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think the main places where it has impact is um, one, the investment climate. Um, there isn't that much funding for us here if we really want to go really fast. There is funding, but it's not... Uh, they're not throwing money at us as if we were in, in, uh, in Silicon Valley, let's say. On the other hand, uh, uh, hiring people here is not as expensive in Silicon Valley. So we don't need that much funding, which is also mm. an advantage. Yeah. Um, and you can hire people in Eastern Europe, right? Isn't that a lot cheaper? Uh, we, we can do that. Uh, and that is cheaper, but we... Um, we focus more on, on, on doing quality work uh, rather than trying to make it cheaper. Got it. We also automate quality a whole lot of quantity. things. Yeah. Um, it's just when you're building a complex software application, then you cannot just outsource. Um, then you need to keep that really well under control. And, and the better you organize it, the quicker you can go. So we have a relatively small team and we can, we can, create a lot uh, at then also a relatively low cost. If we would um, outsource it, we might be able to like write more software at a cheaper price. 
but I don't think as a company would we would advance quicker. It's a good point. So, what was it like going from employee to entrepreneur? Was it scary? Was it hard? Were you just ready to get out of the corporate world? Tell us. Oh, it was a long journey of trying to get out of the corporate world. So, actually, I, before I went into the corporate world, I knew I wanted to start my own company. Um, already when I was a teenager, I was I was doing things like building websites for other people and. Afterwards, I, I, I would have this little uh, secondhand cell phone business. And, and I always knew that I wanted to do something for myself uh, with customers, with people, not an engineering job in a back room or something where I would create something and then never talk to anyone except for my colleagues. Um, so I, for me, it was... I, st- I started in, in, a, in a corporate and my first job was really like in a corporate in a very big pharma company um, as a step up because I wanted to learn first how things work. Um, I think in the end, it was a good experience, but not as good as I had hoped. Um, I really did not uh, get that much responsibility. Um, I was in my first job to give you an idea I was um, creating brochures for salespeople, uh, not even creating them from scratch. Uh, the European level would have decided what uh, had to be in a brochure and it was already sort of pre-approved with the regulatory department. So I would take that. I would basically um, take what they made, cut it up, rearrange it a bit, translate it in Dutch and French, get it redone and get it reapproved. Uh, and then I would teach the salespeople how to use that. Um, I also made one site for patients, which was relatively fun. And um, I, I, I could also manage the stock of gadgets. I was also so we. Wow, you've been in all the over industry. <laughs> you uh, you have gadgets for the doctors, right? And the price of these gadgets uh, has been going down over the years. What is allowed there? Um, and also more and more, it has to be related to their job. Um, so we had a big stock with all this kind of stuff we would give to doctors, uh, with a large part of that was sort of ready to throw away. Uh, and I, I, I was able to manage that. Wow. Okay. So totally different than what you're doing now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, wow. So I guess going back to your company now, like I know the past year what what year did you officially start the company uh officially uh, 2014 2014 okay and so covid happened last year i know how how did that impact your business how did you keep going what were some of the strategies that you used for that that wrench that was thrown in all of our <laughs> plans uh for us the issues were relatively small in the sense that we, we sell software online uh, to people all over the world. Uh, we have customers in, in 70 countries or so. I never drive to people. I never meet up with them. Well, very rarely, sometimes when there's somebody around the corner, sure. Uh, but otherwise, we, we always get together online. Um, so that didn't really change. Uh, what changed mostly is that we weren't with the team in the same room anymore. We were all in our own homes. So we had to organize ourselves a little better, especially when it came to communication, uh, because we were sort of relying on um, 
communicating uh, by being in the same room. Um, and it wasn't very systematic. Uh, so especially in the first months of the pandemic, we had to make some changes there. Did business maybe increase because pe more people were online or did it stay the same? I'm just curious. Um, the very initial effect was that people would wanted to do cost savings, which sometimes was a bit weird. Uh, at some point I had to tell someone like, you recently told me you, you make a million more by using our software and you now want to uh, save a hundred a month. I don't know how that makes sense. Uh, but that was a very initial reaction that people had. Um, then um, there were some companies that uh, stopped, uh, which has an uh, impact on business. At the same moment, other businesses uh, realized the importance of having uh, everything well organized in their pipeline so that they could actually still make uh, money. Uh, and these things sort of canceled each other out. Uh, so we experienced our, our normal growth. Um, then sometimes some months were really weird. Um, like December looked more like a January. Uh, but then this year, for instance, everything picked up massively. Um, mm, yeah. Everything's starting up again and lots of the customer. Yeah, at, a, at a quicker pace than before. Um, like now it's sort of like things come together. Um, we are like people have realized they need a CRM and things are growing again uh businesses that stopped already stopped so now it's going really quickly so how do you get your customers currently you, you, you said you have 70 across you have customers across 70 countries how do you find them is it through advertising or word of mouth you have a huge marketing budget what's what's the deal there we have a very tiny marketing budget um but we don't need much because we've built up quite some uh traffic um it's mostly from word of mouth that we get customers then it's also wow. from review wow. sites and listings and all that and then from content marketing uh in a very limited amount of ads if for very specific keywords it's it's extremely expensive uh to advertise in the crm space and it's also hard to convince people by reaching out to them like hey you need a new crm or something uh you need to capture people when they're looking for a new one yeah, um, totally. No, we're competing with very big companies as well. First of all, with a lot of companies, but then some of those are really, really big uh, and they uh, can just buy up visibility, uh, which makes everything uh, more expensive and not worth it. Yeah, I mean, everyone thinks of like Salesforce. First thing comes to your mind when you think of a CRM. So yeah, you're dealing with some large players. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you feel like you continue to, to stand apart, to make yourself unique so that you're not, you know, you can still get some customers, even though they're taking up all this advertising. Like I said, there, there's, I haven't seen any other serums yet. And it's, it's quite surprising as there's so many, uh, that take the issue we focus on so seriously. So anyone who's frustrated by their CRM can't keep up. Uh, the moment they find us, uh, they're happy. And uh, that's sort of how we differentiate. People tell each other about that. And, you know. Yeah, I'm about to sign up. I feel like you convinced me because I hate <laughs> CRMs. I don't have one yet. So <laughs> I've just been like dreading implementing one. Yeah, well, if you if you go to our site, just click, you see a walkthrough first. You don't even have to sign up to, to, uh, to see it. 
And then uh, if you like it, you, you connect your email address and it'll immediately start working. Uh, you don't really have to do much. Uh, just customize your stages, maybe import some stuff you already have and, uh, and uh, you're, you're sort of going for it. So Quite easy to get started. Awesome. Nice. We'll check it out. Salesflare.com. Definitely. So shifting gears here a little bit, you have a marketing background. I'm just, I'm curious, like when it comes to creating marketing collateral, writing out marketing copy, is there a specific kind of formula you always follow? You know, they say like, start with the person or the problem. Like if you were to simplify it for our audience right now, someone who doesn't have a marketing background, how, how do you think they should go about creating copy and collateral and material and whatnot? Um, first thing, uh, what do people really care about? Uh, what is their issue? What is, um, how would they describe it? It's very important. Don't describe it with these fancy words that the person reading it doesn't understand anymore. They basically need to need to read something that seems like it came straight out of, out of their heads, but all of a sudden it's solved uh, something like that. Um, then um also think about next to that uh, the different forces that um that act on their decision like they like like we said they're in point a uh, where they have an issue uh, that we can solve but they need to get to point b where they're actually uh like caitlin who is who's trying to get a crm we need to get her to point b and actually get them mm-hmm. use it so true <laughs> And then we, we, we need to try to understand why Caitlin is not doing it. Uh, like, like what, what keeps her in, a, in the current place? Um, is, it, is it just plain inertia or is she, is she maybe af- afraid of something she's going to lose there? Or is there something she's afraid of in the new situation? You never know. Uh, how does that oh. new situation look to her? You know, all these kind of things. Mm. think about that and then it can it can be a nice frame uh, overall because what what you don't want to do is just um uh, sell plain features you need to understand what it means and and go a bit beyond just painting the picture of where we're going and what maybe the issue is but also um the things that bring us there um that's a great point yeah i was doing this survey recently that explained it it was like describe your customer's heaven. And then the next question was describe your customer's hell. And it was like, it really gets you thinking of like what they're thinking and what holds them back and what drives them. So that's a great point to like put yourself in that person's shoes and what they might be facing. Yeah. And then from there, I think, uh, well, you, you, you try to come up with, uh, the right words as, as the way they would describe it. Uh, you find some supporting material to uh, show them that it's real, uh, you find the right graphics that show things that that, that prove the messages you're you're giving, but also look appealing. Um, and well, yeah, I well, usually is- start in the bu- bullet point format and go from there. But that's a very uh, engineering uh, thing to do. Mm-hmm. Cool, that was helpful, even for yeah. me. Thank you. I know, totally. I'm about to go rework all my I'm marketing. taking notes. <laughs> it was really a um, question for me. Thank I you. know. It's <laughs> like, can you help us? Um, so 
obviously the road to success is not all paved in gold or whatever they say. Um, what, tell us about if you've, have you had any failures along the way, any regrets, what are kind of those points that someone might face when they're starting a business that maybe you encountered along the way and how you overcame them. Yeah. I, I, I tried a bunch of businesses before I started Salesforce. Um, one, for instance, uh, failed because it didn't really have a short-term business model. Um, it was a, a way for doctors to stay on top of the latest research. And I just figured I was going to have ads on that. But uh, to have the ads, uh, first you need to get people on there. And uh, if I didn't get the people on there, you, know, you need to build the thing first. It needs to get interesting. It's a, it takes a lot of investment. It, so there was no short-term business model and I just couldn't make it work uh, because I couldn't really uh, focus a lot on it. I couldn't convince anyone else to focus on all on it with me. Uh, so just uh, in short, it, it was missing a business model right there. Maybe there was one in the, in the future, uh, but I was not based in Silicon Valley and people would not throw money at me to maybe make money one day. Uh, so then, um, I, for instance, tried something that well, was a bit silly, but I made a, a website for the World Cup in Brazil um, to help people to organize a trip around it and stuff. My, my wife is oh, Brazilian. Cool. We go a lot to Brazil. I really know, know quite some about it. So I was using my expertise there to, to help people. Uh, it was, a, it was, made me some money. Uh, I, I mainly like also suggested uh, which flight companies you could use to go from here to there and to get there, uh, which I got affiliate commissions and it okay. was really nice. Yeah. Until of course uh, the World Cup in Brazil, uh, everyone has booked has been there and the website died. Uh, oh, so it was a wow. very uh, short term, uh, short term uh, business. I um, also started a company at a uh, startup weekend. It's probably something. A lot of uh, people try to do. Uh, we won the startup weekend. We um, we actually uh, got some people in government related stuff enthusiastic. We raised some funding, uh, but then we were just a bunch of guys that won a startup weekend that had jobs that weren't particularly into the thing that didn't really really know each other, uh, having a business together. Mm. Um, that uh, was not a great idea. In so it didn't end, go anywhere. Yeah, I was, I was the first one who left uh, the business after we raised funding. Um, I actually raised the funding, but then uh, I was like, okay, this is not going anywhere. You raised the funding and pieced out. I love it. You're like, see ya. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was not immediately after it, but yeah, a few months. Um, and then uh, I think currently it's just the CEO uh, that we, the, the guy that was the CEO at the startup weekend, uh, I, I was in chief, uh, chief marketing, um, who's still working on the company. Actually, he, he made it successful by now. He raised uh, oh. many millions of funding, I think. Um, but the rest of the team, it was just not realistic that that would work. Gotcha. Okay. Um. Then Salesforce itself, uh, we've made many mistakes. Um, thinking that we would raise uh, a lot of money uh, early on was uh, was a bit stupid. Uh, the way we got to uh, more money every time was quite lucky. 
Um, we, I mean, now we're financially stable, but it has been uh, has been quite the uh, the adventure for a while. Yeah, we hired people too early for some roles at some points. Uh, we hired the wrong people. Also, I would say those are probably the biggest mistakes we made uh, because it has a huge impact. What did you want to say? Oh, sorry. Um, I I was just going to ask you real quick if you had any advice on raising money. Um, you brought up raising money a lot. I know you went through some incubators and accelerators, but how does the average person go out there and raise money? Uh, it's a, it's a, an easy question with a long answer. Actually, we have uh, something on our blog about that. I'll put it for you in the chat so you can uh, share it in the... Um, in the speaker notes. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We we'll do this that. is a, a 10, 10 post masterclass on, on startup funding. Wow. I've written it together with a friend of mine who used to work at a VC fund and an MA at Deutsche Bank also. So it's 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 really good content not written by a copywriter. So except for one of the posts. Um, nice. Okay. We'll definitely post that because people should check that out. I was saying like, yeah, hiring decisions are, are to be taken seriously. Uh, you don't hire people before you sort of figure out the basics of what they're going to do. Um, if you do that, then you'll find that it's uh, very hard to understand what they're going to do. Very hard right. to hire the right person. Very hard to lead them, uh, help them. Um, and if they're going to find out what the job is all about on their own, it's, it's probably not going to end well. Um, it's very hard to iterate on your approach and no, you cannot expect that anyone is as, uh, as motivated as, as you are in finding That's that. That's so right true. Approach. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how just really quick going off of that, what, what advice do you have for building a strong team? Like how have you gone ahead and, and found the best people that are going to help you grow the business? I would say there's a, a few things we um, we hire on. Uh, first of all, we, we hired um, people a bunch of times after we had worked together uh, or because they uh, they knew uh, other employees. But, but usually we try to do a bit of work together first. Um, so our developers... I think all of our current developers, they they either did a student job with us first or something, where oh. we actually first could test how things were going, whether they approached things the right way, and then we could... Uh, oh, that's smart. Them. Before you make the big commitment, you're like, you know, are yeah. you even good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because once you hire someone, uh, especially in Belgium, you're sort of uh, attached to that decision. I mean, you can fire people, but then there's... Uh, severance you need to pay and all that so right you um, want to avoid and that it, and it's also not a, a decision you just lightly make you don't you just don't just pull people in the team and then and then throw them out of the team uh it's it's not nice uh for that person uh because they usually had another job before now they need to look for another one and all it's not nice for your uh, company culture it's not nice financially it's not a nice for your own mental health even because uh, dealing with this kind of situations where you've hired the wrong person, you're trying to make it work. Uh, there's a lot of tension in that. And then having to fire that person, uh, there's also a yeah, situation. That's it's stressful. Tough. I feel like y'all are nicer over there because here it's like, 
whatever, I'll just fire you. It's no big deal. But you're like, no, it's actually like, you have to think it through. You want to be nice. And like, yeah, I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like people don't like, you're out kid. Yeah. People don't think about that here. So, <laughs> so I have a question for you. Uh, what advice do you have? Like if you were to go back in time when you were like 20, 21, starting out as an entrepreneur, what advice would you give your younger self that you didn't I'll... know? It would be along those lines, I think. Um, what what will you see in the in the, the press, or if you're not, you don't have a company. What you think it's all about is raising funding and going really really fast, and all of a sudden being huge. And um, you you sort of have that as a mental picture of this is what, this is what we're going to do, and this is where it's going. Um, but I think where the real success is is, is in um, Doing the basics well um, is in maybe going slightly slower, uh, but thinking it through, uh, finding that right approach. And then uh, at some point, it might seem like this overnight success uh, and you might raise funding maybe if that makes sense for your business. So it's also one of the posts in the, the Startup Funding Masterclass. Uh, that that might all be, but... Uh, the, the success is is usually hidden. Um, like th that's one of the most uh, weird things I find when you get coverage somewhere, everybody says, well, you're so successful and all that. But when you are just uh, making customers happy, growing your revenue and all that, nobody even cares. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So embrace the journey I'm hearing. Embrace the journey, definitely. Yeah, that's great. I feel like, that's it's such a misconception overnight success because it's never overnight it's like no I've been working for this for years and all of a sudden you found out about me so that makes it overnight for you but not for anyone else um true so that's really interesting um so a question we always ask our guests is do you believe that entrepreneurs are born or do you feel like they can be created or bred i think it's something that might grow on you uh, in your childhood already uh that sort of primes you for uh being more passionate about that that is definitely possible mm. um but then do you feel like there, you've you felt that yourself yeah, somehow I, I always like to create stuff, um, whether it was uh, doing drawing classes or, or just uh, making camps in the woods or whatever. Mm -hmm. I always like to create stuff. And um, I, well, based on my experience, that's what what's drives most entrepreneurs. They want to create things, have some impact that they grow. Um and uh, that is something that can be developed in your childhood. Then all the skills you need uh, is still something you need to uh, develop afterwards. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so you can like- so cut and dry. Right. Like you're pre, you can be predispositioned for it, but you still have a lot to learn and a lot to grow. Definitely. Awesome. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, where, thank you. Where can people find you? If you want to find out more about Salesflare, salesflare.com. Uh, if you want to find out more about me, LinkedIn is the best place to connect. Uh, there's only one. Head to Belgium. Connect. Head to Belgium. Uh, <laughs> come uh, taste the chocolate, uh, also the beer, the French fries, which waffles. Uh, so the waffles. Waffles. 
uh, all of these things we have here uh, come over go beyond Bruges uh, come to Antwerp uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's an actual city um, so but uh, LinkedIn if you want to do it digitally um, send me a connection request with a personal note please if, if you don't add anything I have no idea where you're contacting me and many people spam me every day so yeah. I would just assume it's spam but if you do uh, include uh, that, that you heard us talking on this podcast um, then I'll certainly connect with you and we can have a chat awesome I just yeah. added you I added you yesterday you? so I'm already ahead of the game <laughs> yeah but did you put in where you've I said looking forward to talking tomorrow. So, okay. So that's good. So yeah, I feel like we're good. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This was, I learned a lot. I'm about to go sign up for your CRM. So (laughs) thank you. Sounds good. Oh my God. I learned so much and I'm actually going to check out the CRM because this was the push I needed. Good. I'm going to hold you accountable on that one. Please do. Yeah. I can't next episode. Yeah, and maybe I'll head to Belgium, hang out with him. Ah, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> all right. See you all in two weeks. <laughs> See ya. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast with Caitlin Cromet and AJ McQuarrie. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.